Hey gang, Wonder Rob here. And Shop's here too. This podcast is part of the Geek So To Speak network. Visit GeekSoToSpeak.com for our full podcast lineup. Captain Vactor's Log, Stardate 100039.79. This week was a little light on the Trek news, but I have a lot to discuss with Captain Shaw on this week's episode. Star Trek Strange New Worlds was a good one. And I gotta get Captain Shaw to teach me that pike maneuver. time for another episode of Technological, your Star Trek shakedown. I am Captain Vector. I am joined by the most handsome and exquisitely quaffed captain in the galaxy, Captain Shaw. How are you doing, Shaw? <laughs> wow, that's quite a that's quite a setup. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I reason why I didn't respond immediately because I was in the middle of the pike maneuver. So you'll have to bear with me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm doing oh, good, man. man. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing excellent, Shaw, and I can't wait to discuss Strange New Worlds Episode 6 with you a little bit later. But before we get into that, we'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and listening to Technological, your source for all things Star Trek in this galaxy and any others. Uh, we'd also like to let you know that we are part of a podcast network, Geek So To Speak Podcast Network, including a plethora of shows that we will talk about at the end of this episode. But don't forget, you can always leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Five stars, no less. Also tell <laughs> your friends and family about our show, because that's what I think helps us grow the most is word of mouth. So if you're listening to this, if you've got a trek, trek, trekker or trekkie in your life, then let them know that Captain Vactor and Shoff are here for your pleasure. Let's get right into it, Shoff. Set a course for the nearest planet, Maximum Warp. Aye, sir. Course laid in. Give me that Szechuan sauce. <laughs> All right, Captain Shaw, I want you to Dougie on down to the transporter room where we'll beam <laughs> down to the planet's surface and search for some Trek news. Uh, uh, teach me how to Dougie. Teach me, teach me how to Dougie. Teach me how to Dougie. Teach me, teach me how to Dougie. Everybody love it. Everybody love it. Everybody love it. Aye, sir. On my way. Captain's Shaw and Vector to beam down. Let's scan the planet's surface for any sign of Trek news. Oh, I have found some Trek news, Captain Vector. Oh, yeah. What kinds of news did you find, Shaw? Okay, so hear me out. We got four, I repeat, four articles. The first one is uh, an article ranking every Star Trek theme song. And uh, before I move on, the question I have for you, Captain Vector, what is your favorite Star Trek theme song. And I like all of them, really. Um, it's hard 
to narrow it down to a specific one, but probably for all time's sake, Next Generation. But the original series is the one that started it all. So, and that's the one that we get kind of echoes in in Strange New Worlds. So it's between original series and Next Generation for me. Okay. Those are good. Yeah, those are respectable choices. I always find that uh, a show is a show theme is really good if you choose not to skip the intro, you know? Yes. Like like Stranger Things is on Netflix right now. I never skip the intro on Stranger Things because it's got a cool like I love it. Um, in the same way. And the same goes for for Star Trek, especially and Strange New Worlds. I love the Strange New Worlds theme. It's it's got the best of old Trek meeting like a newer version of that. It's awesome. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a, a very controversial choice for one of my most favorite Star Trek themes. I'm probably in the minority here. I'm almost guaranteed to be in the minority here, but my pick is Star Trek enterprise. Ooh. I've got faith of the heart. No one's going to bend or break me. That one. That's like I like that one. The Smallville version of the Star Trek theme song. <laughs> Shaw. Somebody say. Really... <laughs> Man, I, I did, really like that I one. I did not I did not see that one coming. I thought you were going to say Voyager. Oh, well, Voyager is great. I, I, there's never been a bad Star Trek theme song. Mm-mm. In my opinion. I will say this, um the Discovery theme song took a little bit for me to really grab. You know what? Actually, I take that back. Star Trek Picard is the worst theme song. (laughs) I I said it. It, It's not a great theme song. It's kind of all over the place and I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan either. Um, I, you know, it's weird. I say that, but every time I stay for that theme, I, I do not skip the Picard theme for some reason. I don't know why. I always did, and not not just because of the theme, but because I didn't want to see uh, pe- uh, Sir Sir Patty Stew's big old face at the end of it. <laughs> like it's such a weird moment. He like just looks up at the screen right at you. He's like, "You're about to watch my show." <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, but uh, I mean, we I think we agree. Like uh, Star Trek theme songs, awesome. And I think this is a great question in general. So for our our listeners out there, our Trekkies, Trekkers. Um, if you go on Spotify, even if you don't listen to Spotify on the regular, that platform has a really cool feature with our podcast platform anchor. And we post questions, sometimes polls in the chat. Uh, I'm sorry, in the chat, in the, um, in the episode notes. And when you're on and using that, uh, Spotify system, you can go ahead and respond. And that's a great way to interact with us too. So I'll put the question in there asking, um, just kind of free form your choice, the best Star Trek theme, and I'd lo- we would love, 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 love to hear what you guys think. Oh, yeah. So with that, the other news that came through uh, after that scan, uh, the Ready Room hosted by Huyton, uh, he had a special guest, Alex Kurtzman, who is the basically the granddaddy of Star Trek right now. Um, so he's helping to 
put together this vast Star Trek universe of shows. Uh, so he he was on for a ex- very long uh, Ready Room episode. It was over an hour long, longer than the actual episode of the week for Strange New Worlds. Yeah, you told me uh, that. Which is not usual for the after show to be longer than the show. Yeah, but. you told me that before because you, you watched it before I did. And I was like, what? But the way yeah. Will Wheaton described it, he said, this is like being able to talk to George Lucas in 1982. It's talking true. Talking to Alex yeah. now. Yeah, because and and Will Wheaton, I think he called it the golden age of Star Trek. Yes, we've been referring to it as the Trek Naissance. Yeah, uh, I personally think Trek Naissance, patent pending, trademark, uh, copyright, right, all rights reserved, uh, <laughs> is the is the better name for it. But uh, but I like golden age of Trek. That yeah. sounds good. Uh, but anyway, so check out the Ready Room on Paramount Plus for that interview because it was pretty excellent. And also there were some cool um, bits of information that were shared. And we'll go more into that later on in the episode. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, some information about how the uh, the day the Earth stood still informs Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is an all-time favorite film of Captain Vactor's father. Yes. Admiral Vector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was growing uh, up, he would talk about that movie nonstop. And I know he listens to this show as well. Um, and he would repeat, there's a phrase in How the Earth Stood Still, Klaatu um, Barada Nikto. And my dad said, when he was a kid, he memorized uh-huh. that because he thought, just in case an alien came down and that was the phrase that, to save the world, he memorized it until he was an old, um, a senior, and he told I me as that. a youngster, and I, I memorized it, and I just repeated it just now, just because I had memorized it back then. And you'll tell your son, and then he'll continue to tell his kids. Yeah. Oh my gosh, talk about a tradition! I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. What does that mean? Does it? Does the movie? I can't remember what the movie says. What that means? I. It's something about like don't stop. Uh, don't destroy the earth or something like that. Like, okay. It's a key catchphrase or key word that the only, that's the only word that stops the alien from killing everyone and, uh, destroying the earth. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, well the the last bit of news, well, quick shout out of course to captain Vactor's parents cause they're, uh, both awesome and, and super supportive Trekkies, especially Admiral Vactor. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for for all of your support um, and kind comments on YouTube and everything yeah. else. Uh, and then the last bit of news was how uh, the Next Generation's uh, The Offspring perfectly explores gender and choice. So this is a, a hot button issue happening right now, and it's interesting how The Next Generation, uh, being the allegorical uh, show that it was, uh, still uh, still relevant today. So yeah, so you can find. All those in our show notes. Um, I think that is a nice bit of Trek news this week. Like I said, light and short, not as heavy as we've had in previous weeks. Um, true, but true. I think it's time to get into our episode recap. Shav, this is episode six of season one, and it is entitled Shav, Lift Us. Where suffering cannot reach, the most poetic title <laughs> of any episode that we've had so far. Um, this episode Definitely. was uh, debuted on Thursday, June 9th, twenty twenty-two. Written by Robin Wasserman and Bill Wolkoff. Directed by Andy Arm- Armad- 
Armageddon. Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, Armaganian. Um, so, thank you. The synopsis for this episode, a threat to an idyllic planet reaches, uh, I'm sorry, reunites Captain Pike with the lost love of his life to protect her and a scientific holy child from a conspiracy. Pike offers his help and is forced to face unresolved feelings of his past. Um, so I Ooh. thought this episode was a very good throwback to kind of classic Trek, classic sci-fi. You have that thought-provoking moral dilemma and a little bit of a twist at the end, Shoff. Uh, but yeah. You find out it's not so much black and white, but there's shades of gray to it. And I, I was actually doing a little bit of research, and I found out that well, this real, is... Well, real quick, oh. I don't want to interrupt you, but we should probably put up a red alert. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Red alert! Spoilers ahead. If you have not watched Season 1, Episode 6 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, you can uh, watch the episode and come back, because we are about to spoil the... Shoff out of it. <laughs> All right. Everyone everyone uh, seen the episode? All right, good. I was doing a little bit of research, and I found out that this is very similar to Ursula K. Le Guin's 1973 short story, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelia, Omelas, uh, which was a thought experiment about a society that keeps one child in squalor so the rest flourish. Interesting. So I thought that was a very interesting idea in and of itself. And like I said, this is very classic Trek of you think, and, and we saw this earlier in the season with those, I can't remember the, the episode title, but the one where it was the electric people and they came down and you thought they were the monsters, but they were actually there to help the whole time. Um, oh, Ghost of Illyria. Yes, yeah. the remaining colonists. So this is similar in that vein where you thought one guy was the bad guy, one guy was the good guy, everything was black and white, but then, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And you know what? We should probably see this coming by now. Like, Star Trek is all about subverting expectations. So, right. um, I mean, there was definitely a, a hint in my mind that this love of his life is maybe not all she cracked, right. she's cracked up to be. Because nobody um, comes in that perfect and... Oh, hey, yeah. I, I remember you. Yeah, remember when we <laughs> did it? All right. It was kind of funny to see Pike be flustered because mm -hmm. he's so confident right. most of the time. Like, right. we always see him very, very definite in his opinions on things. He's also super charismatic and approachable and and has a way with words and never stumbles on his words. And so to see him interacting with, um, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, in this this uh, show, but uh, but he's <laughs> he doesn't even remember what number one's name is. Like right. he's referring to her incorrectly. Uh, he's he's smitten. He is smitten. So that was it. <laughs> really cool. Um, just a, a change for him. But it, he, honestly, man, every time I see Anson Mount, I'm always like, God, this guy's so good. He's so good. Yeah, he's he, definitely he, he plays he plays this so well. What's well, it's really oh and I looked up the actress it's Lindy Booth who played Alora, Alora thank yes. you, um, yeah Anson Mount and Ethan Peck for me like are they're shouldering the load on this 
uh, season and this series of these are the two that I care about the most. And I think Uhura is a, a third on there yeah. on that list. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, they're all of the performances have been fantastic so far, but Anson Mount in particular, his charisma and his gravitas, you can tell why, and, and like I said, it's it's also written this way as well, but you can tell why he's the captain. Like, this is the, he's like Captain America. You want him to lead you in times of crisis. And Picard was the same way. I felt, I always felt like I was in good hands. I knew Picard knew the answer. I knew he knew how to solve this, you know, every situation that comes up, every problem. Picard knows how to fix it. That's what I'm getting from Anson Mount. I'm like, all right, Pike knows what to do. He's he's got everything under control. I like you said, I I you rarely see him flustered or nervous or anxious. He always knows what to say in in, in all the right situations. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. A great great job so far. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. I think this is going to be the role that he's remembered for. Not Black Bolt. It's going to be <laughs> Captain Pike. And in particular, yeah. Oh, that yeah. Pike maneuver. Well, he's just, the show is so good and he's so good in it that I I really foresee Strange New Worlds going the full series count. Like, if it's a five-year mission, they're going to get five seasons. I feel like it's it's a guarantee. Like, I feel like we've got, we'll have no shortage of Strange New Worlds to talk to and explore together. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, the storyline was hard to follow. This was definitely an all over the place. And I don't mean that it was like written badly. I just mean that there were so many shifting uh, bits of details that were so so slowly titrated into like our brains that we're led to believe one thing and then now we're led to believe another thing and now we're led to believe another thing. And now we're like, Oh, all of that was wrong. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so it was a, a bit of a ride mentally to, to sort of stay on board with that. And, yeah. uh, Vactor, I know you and I were talking earlier that this episode feels like one that would benefit a second viewing. Yeah. But and I know neither of us had the time to get that in before yeah. this recording. So I might watch it after we do this recording, but a hundred percent, that this is one of those ones that on second viewing on repeats you'll pick up things that you didn't pick up on the first time and understanding where the the twists and turns are um coming along the way i think it definitely the repeat will help on this one in particular for sure because like with the beaming of the child and then all right we we beamed him but he came back oh wait but he's gone. All right, he's dead. Oh, wait, no, he was in the corner the whole time. And I was like, wait a minute. What was the original intention? And and I, I had to go. I wanted to go back in my mind to that very first scene. Um, but I didn't get a chance to. But you know what, Shoff? That actually brings me to a, one of my favorite things about this episode. I don't think you know this about me, Shoff. I've never divulged this to you on other uh -oh. podcasts. Uh -oh. we've, we've been on many podcasts together, but I've never said this to you. So... I have a, a couple favorite superpowers. Now, okay. I think you already know one of them is super speed because I'm a huge Flash guy. Okay. And I love I, speed. I, and I join you in that too. Yes. I'm a, I'm a big fan of any speedsters. Yes. I love that. The other one that I've never told you about is super intelligence. I love characters 
who are just genius, like the smartest people in the room. And I'm thinking about Mr. Fantastic, Tony right. Stark, like those type of guys that they will just tell you quantum mechanics and physics and all these things. And, you know, it's just gobbledygook to me as it's going across the screen. That's what I got from the first servant, uh, the child. Little boy, yeah. When he was just like, oh, this is rudimentary. And this is like your technology is like, you thought it was so advanced, but it's really kind of minor to us. I was yeah. like, yes, I love this. <laughs> uh, so that was just a personal thing for me. I was, I was, my, my vector sense was tingling as any type of super intelligence comes across the screen. So I love I that. I love that. I love that. Are there any other characters you can think of in, like, say, comic books that would fit the bill for you on super intelligence? I think um, in the ultimate Marvel universe, there's an alternate version of both those characters I just talked about, an ultimate Mr. Fantastic and an ultimate Tony Stark. And they changed a little bit of the way that their intelligence works. So with Tony Stark, I don't know how much of the ultimate universe you ended up reading. Um, It was a side... It was like a subset of Marvel where it was an alternate universe. But right. the ultimate Tony Stark, they explained his intelligence that his brain tissue filled his entire body. Instead of just staying in his head, his entire body was inside was brain matter. What? And so <laughs> it was and he became an alcoholic to dull the pain because just brain tissue in his whole body like just caused him pain the entire time so that's why he became an alcoholic but anyways i thought that was interesting having that explaining the intelligence that way and then mr fantastic they kind of did a similar thing where oh well because he can stretch his body he can stretch his brain and then that stretching makes it like the surface area of the brain is is bigger so that makes is more intelligent or something like that and Interesting. Yeah. So those two characters in multiple realities, multiple universe, and even uh, Rick from Rick and Morty is another one that I just love when I feel like the character is smarter than me. Like I, I don't if I'm if I'm looking at a character and I'm like, I'm smarter than that guy. It doesn't you know <laughs> resonate to me as much. That's another reason why I like Peter Parker as well, because Growing up, I always liked not only his his wit and his humor, but the fact that he was so intelligent. He created his web shooters. He was, you know, a genius level. Um, and currently in the comics, we've got people like Riri Williams, who we're going to be seeing in the Ironheart show on Disney+. Plus. Um, she took over for Tony Stark while he was gone. And then right. um, he's back now. But... Her her intelligence level is like that. Um, in the I'm trying to think in the DC universe, there's like um, the Adam and Lex Luthor. Yeah, Lex Luthor. Um, even Batman. The, a lot of them have you know different intelligent levels and and different areas where they are intelligent in. Uh, Batman is like a great uh, strategist, strategist. Uh, Captain America is like that too. So yeah, all of these characters like I love it when their intelligence comes out and they solve a mystery or they solve a problem with their intelligence rather than with their fist. Yeah. I always love that. The thinker. There we go. There's oh yeah. Another one. Another one yes. Villain. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good observation. Yeah. The kid was great. I thought he did a great job in his part as well. He was, he was super convincing, very casual in his performance. Like it was just a natural, realistic thing. I always love watching that and always blows, blows my mind. Just, um, the talent of Mm -hmm. some kids that they, they know they're playing another person, but they treat it just very authentically. Yeah. Um, it's so, it's so fun to watch that because, that could easily be very hokey. And a lot of kid actors do come across yes. pretty hokey and fake and artificial. And his, his, you know, we really felt for him and the sacrifice that he was going to be making for his planet, basically like putting himself at the mercy of these wires going into his head. The mm-hmm. planet was basically going to suck him dry um, so that everyone else would live and, and whatever else. And we don't truly understand the details surrounding this machine that he gets attached to to but in some way shape or form him sacrificing his body his everything is what allows them to continue to live on so yeah it's kind of a MacGuffin. they don't really explain yeah even kirk asked him like i mean i'm sorry kirk <laughs> um even pike asked asked her what why does it rest on this kid and she just hangs up on him um did you get the sense at the very end Right before they plugged him in, he was having doubts because that's what I got. Yeah, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" He was all for it at first, but then as soon as he saw that body of the other kid, that's when it seemed like he started doubting it. So I was like, "Wait a minute! This kid is super smart. Does he know something that I don't know?" That at the last minute he didn't think he was gonna be sacrificing himself. So that I was kind of a little bit well, muddied on that. I guess what. The way I feel is I think that most people, and maybe this even includes whoever is being groomed to be the first servant, they're not given those details on what Uh, actually happens to you. Okay. Uh, I I think like, because that, I think that would produce more unrest, like those that really know what goes on um, in this sacred ritual. Right. um, Like, I feel like that would cause riots and right. things like that. Like people would disagree. Obviously the so dad that, knew cause he was yeah. trying to protect him. Yeah. And, and definitely there's an offshoot of this Magellan, uh, planet where they have gone off to another location because they don't want to be a part of that whole thing. But, right. um, but I think like part of why this works is just be based on the minimal amount of information <laughs> right, right. that the citizens have. Yeah, and maybe that ex- extends to the servant. The servant just says um, that they're going to be, um, that they're serving their, their, their planet in a, the right. biggest way possible. And yeah. they think, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And then it, it really sunk in and hit him. Once he saw the dead body, it was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be me. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, the sacrifice of, a child every so often. I don't even know how many you know years it is between children that they're sacrificing, but is it worth the idyllic society if you if the cost is you have to sacrifice children and it's not just one child, it's children. Like you're continuing to do it over and over again. That that's what I liked about this dilemma. This. Um, the conundrum of this episode was, hey, that's kind of a heavy question because you want paradise, you want a utopia, but is it worth killing people to get 
the utopia, and that's even the sacrifice of the few, you know, leading to the uh, the many. You know, the, what is this? There's a spot quote about that. Um, the needs of the many yes. outweigh the needs of the few, right? Or the one, right? Yeah. So that's it's that's just a, a very I love philosophy also, Shoff, and I think that is such a non easy choice to make because I could see both sides of that argument. I, I'm not a hundred percent on either side. And right. so that, that's what I liked about this episode and all of science fiction when you, when it comes down to it. Um, but another oh, thing, yeah. Oh, I was going to say another Moral thing dilemma, about, very, very gray area for sure. Yes. The, you talked about the dad and him kind of, um, I liked that his where he ended up was trying to help uh, Mbega's daughter and trying to help all children because of his loss, because of what happened with his situation. He it seems like he from this point on wants to help everyone and in any way that he can. So using his medical knowledge, using his technology and his understanding, I liked that he was able to help with her um her 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 medical situation and that actually led somewhere from the previous episodes that it, it had been set up where she was she was in the phaser um where exactly was she stored at shop she's stored in like the transporter buffer so right, that's right she's yes. in like a suspended animation of right. sorts yeah so yeah i thought that was a, a great use of her storyline and with this storyline, like inter interweaving the two. Um, and it kind of made, yeah. And considering this is episode six, yes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Episode six that we've already had two episodes focused on in Benga. Like, I wonder if we'll see more of this before the end of the season. Like if we're going to get the outcome of that collaboration, right. Before the end of the season, I feel like we will. Cause I'm, right now that's, you know, like, even though the goal is to make these characters as three-dimensional as possible, Mbenga is really the only thing we're seeing about him that's special to being about him is his daughter. So uh, that where they leave it right here is hopeful, but I feel like it's not resolved yet. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's more to tell whether that happens this season or they decide to wait and let it simmer for a bit into season two. I mean, that's, that's cool. I just feel like, we we're definitely not done there. We'll have more conversations and and there'll be more talked about with that. Right. I I really liked the um the the back and forth storyline that they had between Uhura and um Laan. Yeah. And Nunez her yeah. yeah, training um and her lessons of security which uh I wrote down a couple of them. A Regalian tiger pounces with no warning. There are no breaks in security because threats never take breaks. Let your tricorder do the investigating, Shaw. Uh, <laughs> and then know when to bend the rules and leave no sto stone unturned. I, I liked that that whole uh, back and forth. And they're giving Uhura a ton, I think, a ton more to do than in the original series. And any of um, anything I've seen her in before. Uh, so I like all of Uhura's stuff that they've done with her so far. Yeah. 
to me, it feels like she's trying out other departments to see yeah. what she really likes. But it, it's like the dramatic irony is we know where she's going to end yeah. up. Because yeah. like her, and, and doesn't that seem like where she should be anyways? Mm-hmm. Like she's already proven herself to be, and on multiple occasions, she always leans back into, she's a communications expert. Right. She's a, like all these languages that she knows, like that's where your strengths are. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I feel like maybe by the end of this season, that'll be her arc is that she's recognized. These are my true talents, my gifts, and this is how I'm going to help be a, you know, valuable member to the crew. So, right. Um, Spock didn't have much to do in this episode, Shuff. Um, but you know who had even less to do? I think was number one. And I, and that brings a question to my mind, Shuff. What is number one's purpose? You know, she's supposed to be the first officer, but we had her little backstory, her secret that she was keeping. But I find her, I don't, I find her to be expendable. I don't yeah, I know. Agree. Yeah. And, and we talked about before um, the actresses, um, I'm blanking on her name, Rebecca Romaine. We talked about her performance so far, I think has been our least favorite of the cast. And they just haven't really given her much to do. I just don't, you know, I'm just at a loss for number one. I just don't know why we even need her in the show. If they're not going to do anything super interesting with her. Um, yeah. Cause you know, you think about other first officers, like I would think about the most, the, the one that comes to mind the most would be William Riker. Yes. Commander Riker. And it's hard to imagine the next generation without Will Riker. Right. Uh, so I just feel, yeah, I hate to say it, but I really don't care about her character at all. And if she went on an away mission with a red shirt on, decided to take off the gold, put on the red and <laughs> gets murked. Like I would not be too worried or concerned. Um, so, and that's as much the writing of her as it is the portrayal of her. So, yeah. um, she's great. Just like I said, the, the, the reveal of her as an Illyrian, like it just, it fell flat. There wasn't anything yeah. to it. Like I didn't, I didn't care. So, yeah. uh, I'm with you hundred percent. Well, hopefully, but we've got four more episodes. Yes. Seven, mm-hmm. eight, nine, yep. ten. Yep. Four more episodes. Uh, Hopefully within that, she'll have a moment to shine and we'll eat our words. <laughs> I would I like to be so wrong too, about yeah. her. But so far, I feel like this season, she is the weakest link. Yeah. Unfortunately, and she wears the gold just like Pike, as he talked about in this episode. Um, <laughs> I think that's all I had to say about anything else on this episode, Shaw. Well, um, my notes... I mean, that's pretty much how I felt about it. I I think, I think you nailed it. Um, this is not my favorite episode, but definitely not my least favorite episode of the season. Um, I found it to be very thought provoking and I also found it to be a bit of a mental challenge to keep up with it. So that's why it's probably not higher or lower on my list. I like being forced to think things through, but when it's, it felt a little bit confusing. So I yeah. feel like the need to watch it a second time doesn't help it. It yeah. hurts it. Um, but what I do have are some notes from the ready room interview with Alex Kurtzman. Yeah. So, uh, during that interview or not, I'm sorry, during that episode, 
uh, they were also talking about some of the props that they're using on the show. Mm -hmm. And so they were showing how they were comparing the phaser or the tricorder or the communicator uh, to what was in the original series and things like that. And I wanted to share some facts with with you, Vector, and also with our our listeners. So each phaser on the show uh, that's made of aluminum, of which there are six that were made in season one. There are more phasers, but the rest of them were made out of like a rubber, something lightweight because they're not being picked up or used. It's just to be um, put kept in a holster basically. But the ones that are used are made of aluminum. So they've got a certain amount of weight to them and they cost $8,000 per phaser. Ooh, that's crazy. So there's uh, <laughs> that's 48, thousand dollars spent on phasers for the first season um moving along to the communicators they wanted to create you know the whole flip the kind of like the flip phone basically that's how they're talking they wanted to create the sort of the same effect but they wanted there also to be some animated um like image on the screen for the communicator and so they ended up putting an ipod nano into Ooh. their communicators. So it's a little known fact and there's a little animated effects that come through as part of the nano. And so that's what they're using, but they made six of those ones and they also used aluminum for that. And they used rubber ones for the background. Um, some things in the interview, uh, for Alex Kurtzman, he confirmed that the Gorn will return yes. at some point this season, which we, heavily hypothesized early um, on after we watched, I think it was episode four. Um, that episode was so good. Oh, I <laughs> <that episode. laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're going to get to see the return of the Gorn. I, I had a feeling they would be another rematch. So looking forward to that, that feels like a season finale episode to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Seeking the Gorn again. Right. So I feel like it'd probably be season, an episode 10 thing. Um, and then as well, he teased, that this is not necessarily something that would happen this season, but definitely by next season and going forward, he teased the arrival of other crew members that we know and love from the original series enterprise. So uh, just looking at the, the bridge crew, uh, we don't have a bones McCoy. So we don't right now we have nurse chapel. We have uh, Dr. Mbenga, but we don't have Dr. Leonard uh, McCoy. Uh, we also don't have Scotty as our, our engineer. Sulu we was the first have, one that came to mind. Yeah, mind. Sulu. Yeah, we don't have the helmsman Hikaru Sulu. We don't yeah. have Pavel Chekhov. Um, and I'm trying to think, is there anybody else I'm missing? No, that's the main. Nope, I think that's it. Yeah, that's the main cast. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely more people and maybe even other people that are related to uh, the characters that currently exist that we may have seen in a TOS episode. Uh, we might see them too. Like I know that in a future episode, we're going to get uh, nurse chapels, ex-husband or something like that. So, uh, so that'll be cool. Uh, so yeah, there's just a lot more to look forward to. And I think it's really cool. It's an interesting show because they're, they really are forced to ride a very careful line to not tread over the original series, uh, plot lines and, and Canon, but I think they do it so well so far. And I think it's it's that the same thing with the Star Wars prequels type of thing. And we're seeing that also with Obi-Wan right now, where you know what's what comes next. So they're trying to fill in that gap in your knowledge. And so you don't want to 
tread on things that have already happened, but you also want to tell a new and interesting story in a modern context versus when the material came, might have come out 30 years ago in certain situations. So this interesting balance that they have to kind of a tightrope that they have to walk now. And I wonder if those Star Wars prequels are the reason we get so much prequel storytelling nowadays where you're getting, oh, remember this guy? Yeah. Well, here's his backstory. Let's give a whole series on this guy's backstory. <laughs> We're seeing that so often now in movies and television. Um, I wonder if if it was the, the Star Wars prequels influence on on the, all of these things that we're seeing today. Hmm. It's a good question. It's a good question. But yeah, I'm I'm still enjoying Strange New Worlds as we have talked about. You know, the entire season. This is the one that I'm recommending to my friends and coworkers. Hey, if you liked the original series or you liked Next Generation, this is the current one that you want to be watching. Um, I'm I'm really like I said, we talked about the Trek Nissans earlier. I'm I'm very much enjoying Paramount Plus, getting all these. We've got the animated shows, the live action shows, um, even remastering the movies. So yeah, there's some great stuff going on right now in the world of Trek, Shaw. Oh yeah, Shaw. We've reached the end of our show, but before we close out. I always like to ask for some life updates in the world of Shaw. I find Shaw to be a very interesting person. <laughs> and I'm always interesting specimen <laughs> to see what is going on in the world of Shaw. Uh, well, uh, this past week has been consumed with packing. I've been packing up my office. Uh, I have a ton of Lego sets. And so, oh, yeah. The question for me is always, I mean, I don't really want to take everything apart. Like, I enjoy the way it looks. I don't necessarily want to go through the process of rebuilding it all, even though I really love building Lego sets. I just, I'm not a big, huge fan of redundancies. Mm. Like, I don't like repetitive activities. So if I've already built something, the likelihood that I want to build it again, it's just, it diminishes, if that yeah, makes sense. So in the same way. Um, so I've really tried to, to as much as possible, keep the sets if I can in uh, fully built. So if I've already built them, so I've been very careful, but I have a Lego, uh, daily bugle set, like the Spider-Man set. And it's huge. It's like almost three feet tall, I think. And, uh, I've had to <laughs> separate that off into different floors. Uh, and it was uh, funny. I, I showed you guys a picture there was legit spider webs on my daily bugle <laughs> set. And the spider webs were coming out of spider Gwen out of a uh, ghost spider. <laughs> I was like, I what? thought you did that. This on is purpose. amazing. This is art imitating life or life imitating <laughs> art. I don't know, but it's cool. So, uh, so that it's been a lot of packing and then, um, it's been a crazy week with, uh, my daughters. So, since geek, so to speak is currently on a hiatus, I'll, I'll share this here for you, Vactor, but, um, had a wild week with the kids. Uh, my daughter, Emily cadet, uh, cadet, Emily Rose <laughs> got sick with some kind of a stomach bug on Tuesday, I think. And this didn't kick off until closer to like five thirty PM. 
but she was outside playing with a friend, uh, out in our front porch and we were sitting out there with her. And then out of nowhere, she just upchucks a bunch of like strawberries. She's just throwing up a bunch of strawberries, red, pink fluid. It's just, it was not pretty. And it's the first time I've ever seen her throw up. Oh, and for our listeners, I apologize. This story is gross. Uh, (laughs) And, um, if you don't want to listen to it, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not upset if you want to fast forward past this, but it's, I'm going to tell it anyway. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're trying to take care of her and she's freaking out. She doesn't know what's happening. She's never had this happen before. She doesn't know what it's, what it means to throw up. She's just confused. And, it's a scary thing for a kid to go through for the first time. And scary as an parent who have, who's never experienced that with a kid for the first time. So we're trying to, you know, take care of her, clean up the mess. We've got Sage, uh, that we're holding. That's my other daughter, my newborn daughter. And she's crying really, really hard as well. So it's like, that's not helping the situation. We've got now two kids that are crying and one is throwing up and one is sick and it's just, it's a mess. So, uh, we get back inside and after I've cleaned up the first mess before I'm done cleaning up the first mess, she's made another mess inside the house. Then she's made another mess inside the house. And every time I, I changed her outfit and put on a new outfit, then she threw up again. Like Dang. we went through, I kid you not at least four or five outfit changes, Got her into the, well, I'm, I'm moving too far ahead. So we're sitting down. Um, I didn't want her to sit on the couch because I was too worried that she was just going to randomly throw up again and puke on our white couch. I was like, this is not going to, not going to be good. So we sit her down on the floor. We put up a bunch of towels, blankets and stuff. And, uh, we're, we put on the TV for her to sort of get distracted and, and hopefully she'll start feeling better. Stomach will calm down. She looks over at my wife who's sitting down next to her holding uh, sage, breastfeeding her she looks over at at my my wife and then proceeds to throw up all over sage's head ah and sage loses it because (laughs) who wouldn't lose it if you're getting puked on so then she's just screaming at the top of her lungs emily's upset because she just threw up and she feels bad and and so i'm tending to emily sarah's trying to get sage calm I'm, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, okay, we need to get Emily into the bath. So we get her into the bathtub and she's okay. I think everything's fine. She's had a little bit of a reprieve from throwing up, get her out of the bathtub within seconds. She throws up all over the bathtub, uh, the bathroom floor. I put her back in the bath cause she's just puked all over herself. This happens two or three more times. Um, <laughs> Sage is, uh, also still losing it. She's crying profusely because she's in the middle of this like witching hour thing where she cannot be consoled and just needs to cry it out for like an hour or something. So it's just rough. And then (laughs) uh, I finally get uh, Emily seems like she's okay. We stopped giving her food or any kind of drink. We're just going to let let her just uh, if she has to get it out, she has to get it out. But we're not going to give her anything more. Um, and we're going to try and, and starve this, this bug out of her. Yeah. So I ended up, I, it's getting towards bedtime for her. It's like nine 30. I'm like, we need to get her to bed. She needs to sleep, but I don't want her to sleep in the crib for fear of like messing up the mattress and everything. So yeah. I, I put 
whole thing down on the floor and I, I'm, I decide I'm going to lay next to her. I'm going to fall asleep next to her. That way I can keep guard on her and watch her. And if she throws up again, I can help her with a bowl and all this other kind of stuff. It's just a mess. It was a long night. It's a long <laughs> night. But she's feeling better now. She's feeling better now. So, um, but Sage has had almost every night this week has had like that night, that like night fussiness thing. And mm. she had it tonight uh, too. So it's, it's just been a long, long week. And hopefully the weekend will be better. So that that's where I'm at. I'm sorry I took up so much time, but man, crazy stories. So well, I hope this podcast is the start of a nice weekend for you, Shelf. Thank you. Thank you. What about you? Tell me you've uh, got something better to share than a puke story. <laughs> well, I did. Um, I, I actually didn't talk to you about this. I saw Top Gun Maverick last week and this week. I don't want to see Jurassic World. I'm not interested in Jurassic World Dominion because okay. I have I have not liked any of the Jurassic World. And in fact, I have not liked any Jurassic Park movie since the first one, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'm going to wait until October when this comes out on Paramount Plus. Or um, is it Paramount? Or Peacock, one of those. But... Instead, I'm actually going to be taking my wife to go see Top Gun Maverick again tomorrow because I we couldn't get a babysitter last week, so I had to go by myself. But my wife really was excited about it and wants to see it. So we got a babysitter this week. So actually, I'll be taking her. It'll be my second time and her first. I got to tell you, Shaw, it is my favorite film of 2022. Wow. I highly recommend it. Five out of five. If we're on the We Love Comics scale, it's a buy, Shaw. And <laughs> it's a buy two tickets. <laughs> I saw it in IMAX. There's a ton of scenes that were filmed with IMAX cameras. And I got I was on the way home, Shaw. I was driving in the speed within the speed limit. I was swerving in and out of traffic. I thought I was in a jet, Shaw, when I was going home <laughs> on the highway. And during the movie. I was sweating. I thought I was in the cockpit and the the sense of realism, it's crazy compared to the first film, which I had rewatched right before I saw the the new one. And it was like it's like night and day, the the special effects and everything, the visuals, it the new one is is crazy the way that they did it. So I highly recommend Top Gun Maverick. So full disclosure, I've never seen Top Gun. So I feel like I probably need to see that first before I can see Maverick. Yeah, you can actually, I would say you can actually see, they do a good job of, of recapping it. And you can, from context clues, you can get kind of the relationships between the characters. But if you do watch it, you you will have a little bit richer experience. But I would say the first one is not gr- a great movie. Um, and... If you don't have time to watch it, you're not missing out. Now, if you do have time, that's you know fine. You could watch it, but I would say, having watched it right before, you don't necessarily have to. I, I think yeah. you can enjoy Maverick on its own as well. This has been a crazy month of content. Uh, oh, yeah. Stranger Things, Ms. Marvel, The Boys, Obi Wan. Strange new worlds, anything else that we're talking about. Like, oh man, there's so much 
So it's, it's uh, normally I love to go to see movies, uh, but I haven't I'm trying to think. I think the last movie I saw in the theaters was probably Doctor Strange. Did Doctor Strange come out after Sonic 2 or did Sonic 2 come after Doctor Strange? Uh, Doctor Strange came after Sonic 2. Let me look that okay, up. Okay, so yeah, then Doctor Strange is the last movie I saw. Yeah, Sonic 2 was April. Doctor Strange was May. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, and uh, honestly, that's just because I have a newborn. So yeah, <laughs> it's just, right. Uh, that's I hardly, remember that. Yeah, when that yeah. Uh, period of my life was going on. Uh, next month, Shoff, actually not too far away, is Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, that one I will go to the theaters for. I'll make it happen somehow. Yes. So, <laughs> 100%, Shoff, we, we are in the, the golden age of 2022 right now. There's there's so much <laughs> content coming out. Uh, but I the would... 2022 Yeah. <laughs> I would like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Treknological. Don't forget, you can always follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Treknopod. Um, you can always follow all of our Geek So To Speak network shows. We've got Geek So To Speak, the Geek News podcast, the Sandbox Gamers, our video game podcast, and We Love Comics, our comic book show. Um, hopefully we can get a Shoff voicemail very soon on We Love Comics talking about maybe House of X, Powers of X, maybe? Um, I'll try, man. I'll try. <laughs> um, so listen for that in the future on We Love Comics. Also, you can head over to geeksotospeak.com and check out everything that we're doing over there. Um, don't forget, you can leave us a Review in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Like I said, five stars only. Anything less would be uncivilized. And you can also <laughs> share our show with all your Trek-loving family and friends. Uh, next week, we will be back to talk about Episode 7 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds and all the Star Trek news that's coming out that week. But I believe our mission of the week is complete. Vector and Shaw here, two to beam up. Live long and prosper. Yeah.